Hey everybody, this is Sam and you're listening to the Deep End Podcast, the show that provides you with juicy relationship, sexual and personal development tips. A podcast for deep deep thinkers and feelers who love personal growth and want to experience healthy relationships. Having a healthy relationship with yourself and others is one of the most fulfilling things we experience as humans. That's why I am so passionate about going deep and why I've interviewed leading experts in the field. Today I have an incredible guest that I'm so excited to have a really deep conversation with. I have Catherine Rollins with me. So Catherine is a dedicated spiritual mentor and experienced psychic who helps people unlock their inner wisdom and intuition. Dedicated to helping people unlock their inner wisdom and intuition, Catherine has developed a unique approach to psychic development that combines practical tools and insights with intuitive guidance and spiritual teachings. Through her online courses and mentorship programs, Catherine has helped countless individuals, including those in the LGBTQIA community and neurodivergent communities, discover and develop their unique psychic gifts and abilities. Her mission is to provide her clients with the knowledge, skills, and support they need to unlock their full psychic potential and live a life of purpose and fulfillment. And today we are going to be speaking about the psychic truth, navigating authenticity in a world of intuition. Thank you so much mm-hmm. for being here. Yeah, it's so great to be here. I'm excited. I'm excited too. <laughs> <laughs> so I'd love to start from the start. Where, yeah. where, like, what is the story behind who you are today? Yeah, I mean that that seems like a big story, but I'll try and um give a a condensed version of how I came to be here today. I mean, I think I was I was really born uh very sensitive. I know I was born sensitive, very um creative and yeah, I'm a self-diagnosed autistic as well, so I only have really realized that in the last few years, but um I would say that that experience has yeah, really shaped just the way that I see the world, the way that I grew up. Um, I've always been very creative and yeah, I think for a long time I felt quite isolated because I was so sensitive and I think feeling and perceiving a lot of things that the people around me weren't really recognizing or naming. And I found that quite confusing And only in my 20s, um, I'm currently 33, but in my sort of mid-20s, I discovered this world of like the healing arts and psychic people and tantra and uh, yeah, started to meet people like me, Um, psychic people, autistic people, (laughs) creative people. Um, And yeah, I mean, kind of adjacent to that has been a journey uh, with my queerness and you know, I had a very strong Christian, um, like my teenage years, I got really into the church and so kind of went on this very roundabout road through spirituality in some ways to uncover my attraction to women. And I feel like all of that has just culminated in, in this current line of work that I've created for myself, which is really centered around helping people to feel empowered and 
trusting themselves and trusting their gifts. And naturally I attract a lot of people who are also queer, who are also neurodivergent. Um, and yeah, I've, I've had a really long, <laughs> really long journey and series of initiations uh, into my own psychic gifts and abilities and healing gifts and abilities. And um, yeah, it became very obvious to me quite early on that I just wanted to, I didn't feel like there was enough support out there for people psychically and spiritually. And I wanted to bring through a lot of what I'd learned just through trial and error. I wanted to like bring through some support that allowed people to really trust themselves and their gifts to really feel empowered and to not be taken advantage of by other people who might come in and sort of weave their magic and their, uh, yeah, <laughs> their subtle slash not so subtle influence over sensitive open beings. So yeah, I hope that answers your question. <laughs> yeah, it does. Mm. And naturally, I just want to go into the deep end. Yes. <laughs> okay. So I have a deep question to ask you, and it might sound a little bit nitpicky, but mm. just something I picked up on that you shared was in your journey, you mm. were involved with the church. And then you went on your journey and, you know, discovering your queerness. Mm-hmm. So they're two quite polarised worlds, right? In one world, you're told that, like, this is wrong. This is what you're conditioned, mm-hmm. I assume. I imagine that's what's being taught. Yeah. That's what I am aware of. I haven't been Correct. to church in that sort of religious sense, been for weddings, but, like, I have an awareness that there is that story and that narrative. And what you've just shared is that what you now teach people is how to listen to their inner voice. So... What was that like, you know, you've got your inner voice telling you, you know, you have this attraction towards women and then you're also being taught and conditioned that that's wrong. Mm. And I think that this also translates and is parallel to people who have psychic gifts and are told that's wrong, going back to winch hunts and whatnot. So I'm seeing how that there's like an Mm. overlap in this question, but yeah Yeah. is the question clear (laughs) yeah I mean just to speak into that I'd love to yeah yeah I mean I got chills just then just the parallels (laughs) and I even thought like too around um I don't know if you're neurodivergent at all but my experience with myself with my autism and then also a lot of my clients who are autistic we have this shared experience as well of being like oh I've been this way my whole life and you know it's this big moment of revelation when you're like oh my brain is just different to your brain like my brain is just a bit different these are the things I'm experiencing and I feel like all three of those paths are are similar it's like you're born well in my experience I was born queer my mom when I came out to my mom (laughs) slight tangent but relevant my mom was like oh I'm not surprised. I was like, what do you mean you're not surprised? You could have told me. That would have been great. That would have helped me. So it would be like 10 years of struggle. She's like, yeah, me and your dad always kind of thought you were into girls. I was like, well, yeah, in retrospect, I was just pretending to like boys because I thought that was the thing that you do. I didn't really like any boys in school. I didn't. So anyway, I was born queer. 
as far as I can tell. And I was born autistic and I was born psychic, definitely all three things. And yeah, it's a pretty common experience that people, any and all of those who experience any and all of those things, um, yeah, go through these periods of being invalidated. I think we're constantly invalidated in our lives um, for various reasons. And my experience with the church was, yeah, I mean, I've had to move through a lot around that. I think there's still things that come up for me around that. Um, I was actually even having a conversation with a friend yesterday about this because they're Muslim and we were talking about, yeah, like queerness and religion. And I was, I got really triggered and I was like, oh, wow, there's still a lot in there like a lot of grief and sadness and regret and like feelings of self-abandonment around choosing that path because it wasn't like, funnily enough, my dad was very anti-Christian because his parents were super Catholic and he hated that. (laughs) He like went on to become a Buddhist. Um, Anyway, so it wasn't my parents. We just got sent, me and my sisters got sent to a Baptist high school. So we like found ourselves in the youth group and I think ironically I just had a crush on one of the girls in the youth group like that was kind of one of the things that like got me there like and it was fully manipulative as well like I have a lot of fire around it I'm just like you know recognizing the layers of manipulation in my school as much like the school and the church were you know like uh affiliated and so they would have these like youth group people come in and basically try and indoctrinate the children. I'm like, that's fucking psycho. What the fuck? Like, as like, how dare you? Mm. Makes me really like, I'm smiling because I'm just like not gonna go fully into that anger, but just I, I feel fucking angry about it to this day. Um, so you know, and also like it's been a big journey for me around, and I think this is true for everyone who feels victimized by any kind of oppressive system. There's there's usually a journey around um, recognizing the part of you that chose it, why you chose it, and then really working with that part. So for me, you know, to un- kind of heal that, to heal that aspect so that you can feel safe to to move forward. And- okay. And for just- me, it was, yeah, just wanting to feel loved, wanting to belong. And the church gave me that, like they gave me nurturing. They gave me a sense of belonging. There was a lot of, there was a lot of positive aspects to it, but the cost was my sense of self and like being told that a fundamental part of me was wrong and yeah, it's fucked. Yeah. When you said the cost was, I finished that sentence in my head. Mm. It, It was like your authenticity yeah truly truly oh my gosh yeah so in some ways my whole life has been about this like uncovering of the true self and um again the chills man ah uncovering of the true self and uh empowering myself first and foremost and then offering that to others and um continuing to yeah work to be an even better supporter in that you know like really seeing people as powerful, really supporting people's authenticity and the the various ways that that shows up. I imagine like the queer community would have so many challenges in that as well. And like hearing you and like, 
I went on a date with a woman on Sunday and I had shit come up mm. with me for me. And I'm like, oh my God, there's still so much conditioning. Like mm. I've got my own like grieving of this heterosexual life that I have been so attached to. Yeah. That may not be, you know, like there's multiple possibilities. It's just so interesting like witnessing that in myself but then like hearing you speak into it and and having an I guess a true understanding of what that those challenges are when the conditions are so deep like the programming is so deep Yeah. yeah so the truth and like connecting in with that that true essence the truth of mm. you know your inner voice mm. your you've been on your journey with that and I feel like it's always unraveling you know we, we just peel back more layers and then we discover some more things about ourselves but yeah this has been your path and now you're teaching others how to connect in with their truth mm. what are some of the the challenges that you notice within them that they face. Yeah. Yeah. So I have a program coming up called Authentic that is this journey essentially. But um, yeah, I've been working for people, sorry, with people for a few years to support this unraveling um, at its core. You know, it's always that, whether it's psychic gifts and abilities or queerness or neurodivergence or just people sometimes come to me and they're like, I just, want some help <laughs> to be more confident to be myself you know so there's always that um and I find yeah commonly there's like a few different aspects but one that's very prominent is trauma as you might imagine you know people have traumatic experiences um trauma responses stored in their body from a lifetime of stress <laughs> stressful experiences being told they're wrong, being punished as children. You know, there's a whole myriad of like places where trauma happens. And yeah, for those who don't know, basically when you experience something stressful and you get overwhelmed, your body goes into a response and it's usually one of four things. It's fight, flight, freeze, or fawning, which is like people pleasing. Um, And it's your body's way of protecting you. So yeah, it, it goes into this um, stress response to try and save your life. <laughs> um, and the key with it is to let that energy kind of run out of you, like that stress energy to be expressed through your body. Um, but most of the time we don't really do that in the moment. So it gets stored in the body. And then what happens is, you move through the world and, you know, like maybe you're going on a date with a girl or I don't know, there could be any number of things that come up and you notice suddenly you're like, oh, I feel frozen or I feel really flighty, like I just need to run away or like you get really fired up and you just want to like rip people's heads off or you find you're like compulsively people-pleasing and you can't stop yourself from doing And that is trauma, that trauma stored in the body. Um, so that's like, I, I think probably the main thing. And then there's kind of other things like limiting beliefs and, you know, maybe being disconnected from your body or your, your emotions. Or, um, I also work with like the energetic field, energy, healing, past life things, ancestral stuff like that. Um, but that tends to be kind of secondary to this sort of main trauma 
element. So I was reflecting. Mm. When am I ever not reflecting? (laughs) (laughs) I was reflecting my walk this morning because, you know, we had a conversation last week about sage or is Mm. it called the sage? I don't want to butcher the name. uh, Sage. Sage. Yeah. Yeah. Which is your psychic development mentoring Mm -hmm. program that you have. Yeah. And we were having this conversation because I've been having experiences and yada, yada for your listeners. Um, I remember speaking to my psychic. This is, I'm telling you a story now. I remember speaking to my psychic and it's leading to a question. Um, and she she did tarot card reading and I was like, you know, the stuff was already there for me. And I was like, how did you get these abilities? Like, she's like, usually people who have trauma experience this. And I'm like, oh, you know, I haven't really had trauma. Like my dad left when I was four and my stepdad came around when I was six and I never really liked him, but I didn't have that. Like I haven't been beaten up or sexually abused or anything like that. Right. I haven't had what I perceived as trauma. Mm. Then I was listening to the biology of belief and he's like, people don't usually remember anything before the ages of three or four. My earliest memory is from before I was even two. And it was traumatic. <laughs> Your, yours was. Yeah. Yeah, wow. Yeah. Um, but then it kind of like led me down this path of like, oh, this makes sense now. This is what the psychic said, trauma and psychic and abilities and whatnot. And I just wanted to hear what your take is on that and if, you know, you've ever even thought of that or if that's a thing or if it's just something that she said or I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if I've ever really thought about it in in that way. Um I mean, I guess there's like, if I think about it now, uh, maybe there is a correlation between people who've had a lot of trauma and people who become psychic. I think there's definitely something I have noticed is that people who are very empathic and very other person focused, who feel other people's feelings and are kind of like very sensitive. A lot of the time that is a bit of a trauma response. It usually comes from having like a parent or caregiver who's very unpredictable and where that child needs to kind of be hyper vigilant. So like keeping an eye slash, you know, psychic tendrils <laughs> on the other person so that they're they feel safer. Um, because they don't know what's gonna happen when. So there's definitely that. I've noticed that. But I wouldn't say that that's exclusively it. And um what happens with me a lot, I mean, look, a lot of my clients are also neurodivergent and I think there's been studies done actually on the link between trauma and autism and basically being autistic is traumatic (laughs) as a a baseline so there's also that but I've also had experiences where because I have this kind of activation within me like being naturally very psychic being very activated in my psychic gifts and abilities sometimes when I work with people or you know even just hang out with people they get more psychic from hanging out with me. So in that sense, I think it's something that everyone has the potential for, but not everyone chooses. And um, so I don't think it's innately linked to trauma. I just think that people who are coming in with that sort of maybe soul mission or whatever tend to have a lot of trauma just because, I don't know, it gives them like a wealth of experiences to draw from or a drive towards helping others or I don't know. I'm sure it shows up in lots of different ways. Mm, Yeah. 
I'm hearing you there. Um, yeah, it's like the wounded healer. We go on our yeah. own journey and we want to mm-hmm. then help and support people who have been through similar pain. Um, okay, there was a question around, you mentioned like hypervigilance and you mentioned mm-hmm. how, yeah, I definitely see the relationship between hypervigilance and um, like psychic that being tapped like that empathic kind of like yeah experience um so there was something that we spoke about as well around and this is a common question that you get asked isn't it where Mm. you're asked what's the difference between a projection and Mm. something that you're intuitively feeling yeah yeah um yeah I mean it is a question I get asked a lot because I think fundamentally when especially when people are just starting out realizing that they're psychic or acknowledging their gifts and wanting to work on them. It is a big question. It's like, well, how do I know what I'm receiving is real? And that's fair. Uh, And I guess initially the short answer is like, you don't know, you don't, you don't know what's real, what's not. And um, my process for people with this is to practice. So inevitably there are ways to kind of, kind of uh, cross check like what you're getting. So if I get an intuitive feeling like, like oh, so-and-so is feeling this or this is happening or I don't know, whatever, turn left, Catherine. <laughs> okay. Um, I just pay attention to say like, is that true? And I give myself a very like, I give myself a strong pat on the back every time, you know, something that I intuit or or sense psychically is true. Um, And the other practice that I've really learned a lot through and something that I provide in SAGE just through like the group component is I've spent a lot of time with other very psychic people and I just play, I, I like to play everything as a game. So it's like the game is do you see that thing over there? What does it look like to my friend? Or what do you see over there? and then they say what they see I already think I can see a spirit over there that was wearing a hat or whatever I'm just making that up by the way um (laughs) there's a spirit over there it's tall it's dark it's got a hat on and I don't tell my friend that and I just go hey do you see anything over there and they go yeah it's a tall thing with like a hat I'm like well there you go and that's how you know another way like one is is this true? Making a note of all the little intuitive hits that I get and then waiting to see if it's true. Sometimes things come true for me like two years later and I have a very gratifying moment where I'm like, I fucking told you so. <laughs> anyway, but and then and then also like just playing with friends who like see what I see. And then the other thing that I teach um, around that as well and something I actually got from a Teal Swan video like ages ago was address the projection. Like if it's a projection, you'll be able to unpack it and it'll go away. If it's not a projection and it's actually true, it's not going to go anywhere. And you end up with this feeling of like, oh, it's still there. It's still there. The thing's still there. I like really went in and it's cool anyway, because I think it's good to unpack your projections regardless. Like go in, why not? You're just going to get more clear. Um. Mm. But then if it's still there at the end of the process, then there's a pretty strong chance. But, you know, I think also the thing about it is that 
if you have a psychic feeling about something or a download, as we say, a download from spirit about something, you don't necessarily need to do anything about it. And you can just kind of tuck it away and then be like, wait and see what happens. Um, so those are kind of my three main things that I teach people around that. Yeah, cool. Thank you. Um, oh, I had a question. It was really good too. It's about, it was, what was it about? Oh, yeah, seeing something. Okay. I'm listening to you talk about seeing this spirit with a hat on. I'm like, okay. Uh-huh. So, like, I, I've had experiences here. Actually, whenever we do, well, whenever I'm, I'm in a ceremony and there's welcome to country and the, yeah, traditional custodians of the land are being acknowledged or if I'm having my own ceremony, it's as though I can feel the lineage of ancestors standing behind me and I feel like, oh, I get chills even just speaking about it. My whole body just gets covered in chills. There's like a sort of tingling sensation at the back of my body and it almost feels like, you know how you see mycelium underground, like, I don't know, and how it's all netted and it's it just feels like there's this net of light from my back. Mm-hmm. That's what I vision yeah. and connected yeah. with like a net of, I don't know, ancestors, ghosts, basically, mm. spirits. It happens every time. I get like mm. full visceral experience yeah. and I'm petrified of it. And I imagine that there are other people, people that come to you who have very mm. similar experiences where they're just yeah. like, okay, I don't want to fuck with this, but I also do. Yeah. And oh. what was your first experience like, like when you started yeah. tuning in? Oh my gosh. Yeah. It can be scary. I just want to say, acknowledge that it's totally <laughs> to this day. I mean, look, I teach on mediumship, which is, I mean, sort of what you're speaking about, like that feeling, seeing spirits of people who've died and then there's kind of the ancestral component to that um yeah I mean I was resistant as heck like to that whole thing I didn't even know what mediumship meant and my friend mentioned it um and she was like a spiritual gifts mentor I was like I don't even know what that is but all right we <laughs> just stopped hanging out she's like mediumship and I was like no she's like you don't even know what it is I'm like no hard no nope don't want it and <laughs> I don't know this 100% to be true, but my felt sense is that I probably was seeing spirits from when I was small. And most people I know who are very, who have that mediumship gift really strongly have it as children. And sometimes they retain it and they stay in connection with it. Other times like myself, you know, there's a suppression and it's fair because especially when it comes to like, there are different types of spirits. There are like, your higher, you know, the higher guides, the people who are there for your people, beings who are there for like your highest and best, you know, they're there to guide, to support. They're on that higher plane. Then there's like human beings who have died. They're not all well-meaning. They're not all there for your highest and best good. They have agendas. They have things going on, you know. They're just people who've died. They have things going on. Anyway, So I was resistant as heck. This was like 2018. I had a big initiation in 2018 around my psychic gifts and abilities. And anyway, so I just shut that door. I was not interested in going through it. Thank you very much. And (laughs) I, um, it went instead kind of more into my clairvoyance, which is clear sightedness and my ability to vision and, 
see things in a different kind of way, not talking to the spirits. Um, anyway, that was trippy as it was. And then that year actually was the year my dad died um, from prostate cancer. And it was only after he died where I was like, oh, and his spirit came to me. I had a had a really beautiful, like, uh, like heartbreaking experience when he died where his, his I got a full, like, it was wild. Like the experience was full body chills. Like my heart was like cracking open. I was like crying. I was with a friend at the time, just like laying in bed with her and just like weeping. And then I had this vision of my dad as like a young man in a rose garden with like jazz music playing in the background because he was a jazz musician. And yeah, after that point, yeah, just was seeing his spirit, talking to his spirit. We did a lot of like healing kind of after his death. And that was the only thing that I was like prepared to kind of open that door for. Um, yeah. And, and I've had multiple people like since he died, um, where I've worked with friends or like other practitioners where he's come through and like spoken to them. I get, you know, I feel like he gets less and less as the time goes on, but initially that he was around a lot. Um, and it was just true for me and it was undeniable. Um, and then other people were also seeing him and talking to him and they're like, he talks a lot. I'm like, I know (laughs) he does talk a lot. So that happened. And then actually another friend passed away who I wasn't like super close with, but um, I knew reasonably well. And I actually was doing a session with one of his close friends. And I was like, oh, there's like someone else here. And um, it was this person who died recently. And um, yeah, and then he actually came to me another time to give me some advice, like some practical advice about something I was planning. I was like, hey, what are you doing here? Uh, but yeah, so that kind of really opened the door for me around that particular gift. And I look, I feel that some people are called to mediumship in a particular way. And I met this woman actually once, uh, this Indonesian woman um, once, and we got into it somehow started talking about this thing and she said in Indonesian culture at least her lineage uh people are like assigned they're like chosen for that particular role in the family and that her mom had played that role and she was in that role and so culturally for them it's like it's a thing and someone gets chosen and they're there I think to commune with the ancestors and and be the medium kind of like the you know the shaman of the tribe kind of but like a different cultural thing um, and I was like, that makes sense. <laughs> that just makes sense. But then in in sort of Western culture or like Australian culture, I think, yeah, like I meet people all the time who have mediumship as a very strong gift. They have spirits coming to them a lot. And they're kind of, it does feel like kind of like that Indonesian woman was saying, they're a bit chosen. I think anyone can kind of tune, look, I have this belief, anyone can tune into anything. Um, but some people are kind of more in that than others um that particular gift and for me personally like the thing that I teach around it because it is scary at times it can be overwhelming spirits don't have boundaries sometimes or a lot of the time and so you just have to remember that you know you get to say like this is my boundary don't wake me up in the middle of the night don't knock my shit over get out of my house (laughs) like whatever the thing is you know you actually get to dictate that um and I will often you know I'm in Thailand at the moment um 
but particularly when I'm in say somewhere like Bali where it's super spiritually active and the ancestors are called upon all the time and the spirits are very like, you know, it's very lively on a spiritual level. I'm, I'm always kind of going into new spaces, checking in, seeing if there are any spirits in the space, setting my, like sort of claiming the space low key being like, Hey, is it cool if I set up here? <laughs> and they're kind of like, yep. <laughs> and I'm like, cool, great. And then I like set up my little psychic bubble. I don't want to be woken up in the middle of the night by spirits. I have been in the past and um, oh, it's not yeah. my preference. <laughs> so I try and keep it pretty low key. But just, yeah, you get to say, you get to say how much you get bothered. And I think that's important to remember. <laughs> I love this. I think we spoke about this the other day and um yeah I resonate with everything that you've shared you know I grew up with my grandmother who was very psychic and she would read Greek coffee cups and I was just connecting with a mutual family friend the other day who's a medium and I was like yo there's some you know just I'm checking in with the people I've checked in with you I'm checking in I was like checking in with her because she did say something that when my grandmother passes like a lot of her gifts will be I inherit them Uh uh-huh have yeah, you heard this? Yeah. Yeah. Sure. yeah, yeah. You told me, and I just yeah remembered it. Uh, yeah. yeah. So she's cool. she's telling me about things that she's experienced, like the day that my grandmother died, a butterfly came. Like I saw photos of it; it was beautiful, and just like little messages and whatnot. Um. But yeah, the choice thing was something that has just been a very loud message. Like we do get to choose, yeah. and I think that. It doesn't take away the, the scariness of it though. <laughs> like yeah. she's telling me that her lights go on and off and dim and like you're telling me that things get knocked off shelves. Yeah. I was talking to my mom about it. I'm like, why the hell am I so scared, mom? And she's like, because your brother, my brother was like would always watch those ghost mystery shows. Oh, and I just have God. this one vision of this ghost, like it was such a reenactment, but this ghost slitting this person's wrist open or something out of nowhere and I'm like yeah that's I'm somewhat I don't know if it's traumatized but I'm definitely scarred by that fair enough I watched one of the paranormal activity movies I don't think I even watched the whole thing but like oh my god I was freaked out that was before I kind of had all these like before I had this initiation too and I was just like oh my god so freaky (laughs) this is interesting actually something's coming through Mm-hmm. Isn't it fascinating that we've both had negative experiences on things that have been made in Hollywood or whatever, mm-hmm. TV shows, mm-hmm. have represented paranormal as something bad? Mm-hmm. If that's not a conditioning, yeah. I don't know what is. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting because I was just feeling like feeling into it, thinking about it a little bit just now. Um, and I was like, you know what, though? It's kind of fair. There's like a fair... you. Know, oh. <laughs> I think the part says a Libra this is definitely also part of <laughs> two Libras. Everything's on a, on a fair. Podcast. Everything is fair. So to be fair, to balancing that, um, no, to be fair, it is fucking scary sometimes. And yeah, part of the reason I created this audiobook was because I was so freaked out <laughs> by this yeah. series of experiences I'd had, um, where it felt overwhelming my friend actually had this metaphor for it where they were like yeah it's like if you're in a club and the lights are off and you can't really you can't really see the floor or the walls you're just dancing you're like 
in the dark with some lights or whatever, but they're like flashing around. And then someone turns the light switch on and you suddenly look around and this room is like full of cockroaches and dank disgustingness. And you're like, what the fuck? Like I had no idea. Uh, anyway, so there was a, it was an experience a bit like that, that where I was a part of this like thing and suddenly yeah, someone put the lights on and I was like, what the fuck? These energetic dynamics are fucked, first of all. There are spirits here and I'm not sure they're well-intentioned spirits here. (laughs) And it was a big, scary moment and I had the desire, a trauma response, to run away, (laughs) hide. (laughs) But it was, you know, it was just like, oh, now I've seen it. I can't go back. You know, it's like opening that door, turning the light on and you're like, oh no, like you can set boundaries, but you kind of can't, it's like, you can't unknow what you already know. So yeah, I realized I was like, okay, well, I just need to get good at this then. I just hear a sound and I'm like, what the fuck? She's looking around. She's looking around like there's something in the background. I'm like, maybe there is. <laughs> but, you know, it, it's it's valid because, like, it's true that not all in, you know, not all spirits are well-intentioned. So there's, like, a healthy, it's like being out in the world and knowing that not all humans are well-intentioned and that you, you need to be, you know, you need to be practical and you need to have awareness and um you need yeah you need to be equipped yeah one of my mentors was like Catherine it's like if you went into the jungle you wouldn't just wear like she's American flip-flops and a (laughs) t-shirt it's like fair she's like you would wear proper boots and like take your protective gear and like this and that I'm like that's a good point if you know that that's the reality you're living in the confidence and the ease comes from being skilled like I travel (laughs) currently traveling I travel with my little selenite tower my crystal tower and I put it strategically in the new room that I'm in I had the other night I was in this room I can't believe I didn't clear it out properly earlier been here for like over a week had this sudden realization that this room was dank as fuck and there was all this (laughs) dense energy here and I was like I don't think there's any spirits here but I feel like there's just a lot and I I swear I was cleansing this space for like 30 minutes and then I felt so much more relaxed I was like oh well that makes a lot of sense so I mean that's my experience with with all of this stuff is like you can't there's a dark side to it there's a light side to it um, you can't un- know what you know, and the best pathway forward is to get skilled and to like just get really good at it. So you're like, cool, cool, cool. I'm in a new space. Oh, there's some malevolent spirits here. Get the fuck out, <laughs> you know. Rather <laughs> yeah. than being like, oh my god, anywhere you go, you're like, is there a spirit here? Is it gonna fuck with me? Just get really good at boundaries. Yeah, what well, you're speaking, you're speaking into like victim mindset. You know, mm. like this is the, yeah. and I'm just gonna name it. There are a lot of empaths out there that play the victim card. I am too sensitive, and I feel everything yeah. again. Choice, really? like we yeah. have energetic boundaries and hygiene. Yeah. And again, like you said, we need to learn the skills. It's a skill. Absolutely, I think it should be a university degree. Just personally. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I agree. And I think like as someone also who's autistic and very sensitive, 
um like I think it's important to journey the feeling of victimhood like this has been so hard you know it's hard being this sensitive it's hard being this particular it's like you know it's hard it is hard and then also you just kind of have to at some point go like well what are my boundaries then I've like I'm a much happier person now I just have very (laughs) someone I met this person traveling recently and they were like it was a beautiful compliment, I thought. They were like, yeah, my impression of you is you're very boundaried, but very open. And I was like, thank you so much. <laughs> That's exactly it. <laughs> that is exactly mm. it for me because I need them boundaries. Yeah. I freak the fuck out <laughs> if I don't have good boundaries. But I also want to be open and that's why I have the boundaries. Yeah, there's a difference between having boundaries and having walls. And I think boundaries are permeable. And so that's, yeah, I think the spectrum of the empath is like, you know, not having boundaries at all or just being completely like closed. But how can you create, I'm going to say it, the balance? (laughs) (laughs) Um, and it is, it's, it's like anything, like you're saying, what I'm hearing is that it takes mm. practice. Mm. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And it does take that radical self-responsibility as well. And yeah, like, I don't think there's any big call, but I don't think there's any circumstance in life where you can't kind of learn a way of being that's going to support you. I don't know if that's true. <laughs> when I said that anyway. <laughs> there's a question that's like on the tip of my tongue but I'm being mindful of time Mm. and I know that this is going to be like a can of worms we've got time we've got maybe I don't know yeah we've got yeah so here's a question Mm -hmm. do you have time Mm -hmm. you've got time Mm -hmm. the witch hunt witch hunt the witch hunt the witch hunts and Hmm. what that has infused in the DNA of female-bodied humans who Hmm. are tapping into their spiritual and psychic gifts but Mm -hmm. are not so much fearful of what they're receiving but fearful of, you know, Hmm. the embedded Hmm. imprint of being burnt at the stake for even talking about having these gifts. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, yeah, I mean, it's definitely present for a lot of people. A lot of people I work with. It's funny because, like, I work a lot with somatics and I kind of attribute different aspects of the self to different parts of the body. I don't need to get into that too much. Like that, though. But what I'll often find is in in people's, yeah, in people's left leg, usually their left hip, (laughs) there's some kind of suppressed witch energy, various forms. But it's like if if you're working with kind of the left side of the body being feminine, the right side of the body being masculine, the upper half being more light, quote unquote, and the bottom half being more dark, quote unquote, the left bottom quadrant is like the dark feminine. And this is usually the part that is like more that kind of the witch archetype or the sorceress or whatever, The sometimes the swamp witch. I don't know. It depends on the person. Um so often what I'll find in, in, in a lot of female-bodied people I work with, and the majority of people I work with are female-bodied, is they'll have some kind of suppressed witch energy in that left hip. And then we unlock it and it comes to life <laughs> and it's really cool. But, yeah, I mean, people 
uh, people definitely carry, um, yeah, trauma, ancestral trauma, past life trauma around the witch hunts. And for me personally, like I don't have, uh, I've done quite a lot of ancestral work and past life work and I don't have that necessary, that, that particular um, memory in there from what I can tell. But what I do have and and what became very obvious to me when I started journeying with my dad's side of the family um, ancestrally was there's definitely a common thread around Christianity, which is, you know, obviously also my personal life journey, which is weird um, and not weird. Uh, <sighs> Christianity and the suppression of other things, anything woo-woo, anything magical. And my personal like ancestral history is more like India, and England and, you know, British colonization vibes. Um, and there's been a lot, what I can feel and what I, in journeying with some of my ancestors, it was like, yeah, there's been a lot of persecution and oppression. And, and when I first like really started to become more public about my psychic gifts and abilities, that was what was prevalent for me it was this terrified feeling that I had not necessarily linked to like the, the burning of the witches, but just that ancestral thread of like, they're going to kill me or they're going to lock me away or I'm going to go insane was the other thread. And that was coming through my, my dad's lineage. Um, and heavy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I had to really work through that. I was like, Catherine, you're safe. And I think this is partly also why maybe like trauma work and, you know, psychic gifts and awakening come hand in hand because there's so much and people are legitimately and fairly quite terrified of of being seen as psychic even though and I will say this just for anyone listening and for you um what I've noticed in in being public with it is that actually we're in a cultural time where it's kind of cool (laughs) like yeah people are pretty chill people like I tell I just tell anyone and everyone like it's matter of fact matter of fact because to me it is I'm like yeah I'm a psychic I teach psychic mastery and they're like oh <laughs> you could be telling like like a random not magical person not spiritual person at all and then just like oh okay yeah oh no worries like that's the age we live in so it's it's cool it's like definitely I mean it feels like a bit of a turning point for humanity in this um evolution but then you also still have the incredibly fundamentalist and like oof, scary you know threads of religious extremists around the world and other groups with that sort of intense opposition and yeah I don't think you can escape that completely yeah it's the intellectual mind it's like I really need to learn to filter because I just that's Mm. what I need to learn you know when this whole yeah Mm. but I'm just gonna say it unfiltered Mm. you know when I hear you speak about all these things I'm just are you into gene keys I think I asked you this last time mm-hmm. yeah like there's this the shadow frequency of the gene keys it's a consistent theme of the mind really trying to comprehend yes. experiences and how limiting that can be mm-hmm. and how like the quantum field is not actually like it's just a it's a mind fuck um yeah and science hasn't yet caught up you know Einstein discovered the quantum field and discovered all these Mm. um it's almost like they're unexperimental 
in some ways. I don't know. Mm. Like that the, the, it's an intangible. I don't mm. know enough about quantum physics. I'm not even going to try. What, <laughs> sure, I, me neither. <laughs> what I do understand about quantum physics yeah. is that there's like this, mm. yeah, there's, there's like um, the ability to cause an effect non-physically, basically. Yeah. 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 And so with that being said, like going back to the gene keys, there's this like whole evolutionary process and pathway of like really um, going through a process of embodiment and landing in the body and not coming from the mind. And so when I hear you speak about, you know, fundamentalists and all these people, I just hear Mm -hmm. so many people so intellectualized and disconnected from the body because the body is telling us like, we feel and there's like a sensory experience. And then I personally have like an energetic experience as well, which feels so subtly different to the sensory experience. It's like a, I don't know, that's my experience anyway. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I love, I, I love jinkies and human design and um, yeah, we've human design into a lot of my work just because I, I think it's fucking brilliant and yeah, a big part of, and I have taught this kind of on and off, um, but look, I don't know if it, like the details of human design. This is not maybe the time, but let's speak. I'll try and speak more generally about <laughs> going into the details of human design because it's a very detailed system. I can't give you all so the info. detailed, yeah. But yeah, there's definitely that consistent thread of. And I was listening to Ra, the guy who created human design, talk about some of the things. And he was basically saying it's that it's reorienting, reorienting from a mentally led life to a body led life. And that's definitely like, it's a huge part of what I teach and you can't, yeah, you can't really become psychically embodied or intuitively embodied without like allowing yourself to drop into the, the mystery and, and to, yeah, like, like just, drop the need to comprehend everything in your mind and have evidence and all these things that it's it's yeah it's like we've been brought up with that and uh yeah like I've been a big part or been involved in some way with the quote-unquote feminine embodiment movement since like 2015 um and yeah, I just keep coming back around to it because I, I continually realize that it is that it's that recognizing that we're in this system where everything is created from a mental intellectual place or a lot of things the system is. And then this sort of movement is about reconnecting to the natural currents, essentially, like whether you're talking about the environment and nature's currents or energetic currents or psychic knowing or intuition, it's like there's kind of this perfect flow of energy and unfolding in each moment. Um, Mm. And I think, you know, sometimes when I define what it is to be psychic, it's like you're becoming aware of that part of it's this awakening process of becoming aware of the reality of oneness and the reality of energy and the reality that there's, you know, this awareness that there's this, we're not just in a 3d world. Does that make sense? I feel like I was like grasping at some things there. 
No, that makes total sense. And it's yeah. like, yeah, it's difficult to really condense these oh. tools that are so, you know, for me, same with like astrology, that, that again, it's like hard to deny. And again, the intellectual mind's like, yeah, but it's all the characteristics. So it's like, yeah, but you got to mm-hmm. dig into it and really connect with it. Um, yeah. But they're just tools and guidance. And I feel like before people diss this stuff, it's really important to experiment, which is that that's my, I'm like a kinesthetic experiential learner. Like I love to, I love to create wisdom instead of just like being the the knowledge of it and the intellect and the wisdom is that embodied experience. So yeah, I feel like Mm. coming full circle to what we're mm. speaking about, you know, yeah, yeah. <gasps> the psychic truth yeah. is like it, it's something to experiment with and play with. And it's yeah. amazing that there are people like you who mm. are holding um, containers and creating containers for people to come in and explore mm. and experiment with these yeah. tools and gifts that we all have access to. Mm-hmm. And it's, it just comes down to choice on whether or not we want to choose that to tap into yeah. that. Absolutely. Yeah. And I, I just, it's so important to me to, I'm sure I said this at the beginning, um, but to support each person's unique journey in that as well, because it is, like you said, it's about listening to your inner voice, learning how to trust yourself. And I think that is also a systemic thing of shifting out of that Um yeah, that uh, dynamic of like always looking outside of yourself and looking to society and looking at the rules and like, you know, following the framework and shifting into that real deep sense of, oh, I know, and I have wisdom and I have, you know, lifetimes of experience and I have a whole ancestral tree of people who've had lifetimes of experience and um, there's nothing better, I think, than supporting people to trust themselves yeah love that there's nothing better than supporting people to trust themselves Mm. that's like my mantra of life Mm. I love that I'm Mm. taking that (laughs) great I love that (laughs) please um great so I just want to thank you for coming on this podcast episode with me and sharing mm. your yeah all your stories and wisdom and your mm. transmission it's just yeah it's so beautiful it's such a pleasure and for anybody who is resonating with this and like wow I'm having this experience mm. yes I yep 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 and you you thought it might have been normal or you thought that like you don't know what to do with it there are a bunch of links in the show notes and you can connect with Catherine on Instagram as well. And what's your preference? Email, Instagram, like email or Instagram. Instagram's definitely my main social platform. So you can absolutely reach me on there. Cool. And what what was your handle? Catherine.rollins. Great. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that'll all be in the show notes as well. But if you're one of those people that don't like to go there and you just want to like type it in, Catherine Rollins. Um, great. Thank you.
Thank you so much. It's been so much fun. I could talk about this forever. Me too. (laughs) I'll catch you guys on the next episode. Thanks for joining us. Bye, everyone.